Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. There's a certain degree of looseness, openness that I think we was kept coming up through our conversation yeah. today about that's how you become a, a resilient and productive scrapbooker um, because things are always going to be shifting in your life, in your hobby, in your interests. And that's, yeah, that's what's going to keep you going. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 200. Today, I'm joined by Kim Edson to answer Scrapbook Your Way listener questions in celebration of this milestone episode. Hey, Kim, how have you been? I am doing really well. Um, Just busy, busy. When we're recording this we are still, we are wrapping up marching band season. I know some people have oh. like football season. We have marching band season. Um, yard stuff. I got myself a lawn tractor after many a year of resisting because I didn't want to store all the attachments. But that's been, like my yard just needed it. Like, so we live on, um, we have an acreage and some of it is in like prairie and then obviously like the house and whatever. So I think, I don't know, maybe like three acres that we kind of deal with like yard wise. And, um, like we, it's not like we're raking that by hand, you know? Um, yeah. And so after a while that tends to be hard on the old, the old lawn. So that's been good. We got our house painted. Um, just busy, just, you know, living life. How about yourself? I am well and more focused inside the home, ah. though we did get a new garage door um, by like force. You know, our old garage door completely broke, um, but we have a very pretty new wood look garage door and I think it kind of changed the way our house looks. Okay. So this so. is interesting because we did the painting, like this is a multi-stage process. And one of the things of is course. when we built our house, like I grew up, my parents had um, like windows in their garage door mm-hmm. and I was just, so I remember like talking to our builder about that and he's like, oh, like, no, something about like, they're just like fragile and they'll get broken or whatever. But like my parents have lived in their house, what, 43 years and, you know, I don't think we've ever broken one of the windows, but whatever. We're just like, okay, just go with the basics. And um, I think that a garage door makes a big difference on the house exterior. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's totally different because our garage door before was like cream colored, like our trim, and it was fine. But this being a dark brown, it matches our shutters and our roof, and it has the windows. And I don't even know that they're real glass. I'm assuming there's some sort of, you know, reinforced plastic these days. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Um, even if they are, it's like it's tempered glass. It's yes. designed to not break. Right. 
Or if it does break, it doesn't, it's not like shards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's like another project because continuing with the outside, um, when we built our house, we, when they did the grading around the house with the dirt and whatnot, we had them kind of level off a spot for potentially doing like a garage, like a standalone garage. Cause we, mm-hmm. we have a two car garage and it's always, it's, I mean, it's still fine, but like now I have two mowers and you know, so it's got two cars, two mowers, snowblower, tiller, like all the things. Um, and now the girls are driving and I would think just for future resale, like people who live in acreages tend to like to have like animals and horses and workshops and things like that. So, um, so that is the thought is like when we build that, if slash when, hopefully, um, we'll replace the garage door on the house to match. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So would this be like a full on Morton building or more like a regular garage? More like like a garage. Like we'll site it to like match the house. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then the only other thing for me on the indoors is I just bought my first five gallon bucket of paint. (gasps) I feel like a grown up now. Yeah. Um, it is an accessible beige, which <gasps> apparently is a really nice color that a lot of people like. I feel like that is my bedroom. It might be. It's Sherwin Williams. Yes. So I think that is. And they were having a forty percent off sale, and I'm like, okay, the pan I like is kind of pricey, so forty percent off is huge. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead and got the five gallon because it's going to be our, you know, entryway, hallways, you know, closets, like all the extra things that we're not painting a specific other color. Yeah. So, and Sherwin Williams, I've noticed over the years, they have lots of sales. So it's like, they I'm sure that was like the Columbus day sale and the labor day sale and the veterans day sale. And so I kind of always figure whatever project I have, like there'll be a sale coming up. So just time it appropriately. Yeah. Just be patient. Yes. I mean, and me, this is a many year project. It's taken me a long time, but we are just slowly, you know, tiptoeing forward and, and doing these things. And um, yeah, it always just feels good to be continuing to make home feel more like home. Yeah. Like our house exterior, that was like a two year thing because I wanted to do this trim thing and then they said it wouldn't work or if it would work, then it would like put us at risk for like leaking around the windows. And so like, that wasn't a good thing. And then I wanted to go lighter and Dan wanted to go darker and Grace wanted to say the same. And I think Caroline <laughs> just wanted to move. So it was just kind of like, what? So finally I was like, my um, friend had painted her house this spring. And I was like, did you like your guy? Yes. Like, what's his name, his number? And I was like, well, let's just get a quote. We'll figure out before I'm looking at colors anyways, like, what brand mm-hmm. does he use, which was Sherwin Williams? Um, because, like, I'll just look at those colors. And so, no, I hear you on the slow but steady progress. So, yeah, all my neighbors actually have new siding because they had hail damage. And we only had like one, like one piece of siding that was damaged. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to the trouble of like filing a claim and getting estimates and all that for this one little thing. And like, yes, it would be really nice to have all new siding, but it just seemed like a huge ordeal. Yeah. No. (laughs) To get it done as well. And your insurance company would probably thank you. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. Yes. So shifting gears to memory keeping, what's exciting you right now? So. I have been kind of light on scrapbooking lately. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like this summer 
I was just like, I took myself on vacation, like as far as like, hence like the yard <laughs> renovation project this fall. Um, I've been doing a lot of like stitching and knitting and reading. So not as much scrapbooking, but I will say I'm still loving my monthly favorites. And this year I went to a square shape. So whether I end up printing that 12 by 12 or 10 by 10 is yet to be determined. But um, just that project lifestyle of like dropping in the cards, because when I was ready to like pick that back up, I could, I whipped through those things in no time. So I'm loving that. And then I did get um, Melissa Shannon from Digital Scrapbook HQ has a supply organization class using Photoshop Elements. And I have looked at Photoshop Elements before for supplies, and I did not feel like it was very intuitive to use. And so I got the class and I got everything imported in there. And now I just need to kind of master her. She has a lot of like tips and tricks for easy searching. So I think what I've been doing up until now for my supplies, I did for a while when I was using Lightroom, I imported all the previews and I would kind of scroll through those. Um, and I think as I've just gotten more supplies, as I've gotten more into digital, like it's been more cumbersome to look into folders and things. And of course, yes. Um, she has ways to set it up so it's like all automated. It's almost like it watches this folder and you add something and it gets imported in. So I've gotten that process started and now I just need to like fine tune it. You know, once like we get past the exterior. So I think that's the other thing I need to recognize too, as far as like when I, if I ever feel like bummed, like, oh, I haven't been scrapbooking. Well, I think it's very much like one season of life and two, just like season, season, like it's will soon be winter mm -hmm. here. And so I can't be doing all the outside things. So that is the time for that. And then this winter I can hunker down. But um, like I said, marching bands wrapping up here. And so I will once again have my Friday nights and my weekends back a little bit. So, um, but yes, so just general, like easy peasy project life scrapbooking and organizing supplies with Melissa. I'm curious if you kind of felt the desire to get your digital supplies more organized now that you've been doing that as your primary scrapbooking format for a couple of years and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm accumulating a lot of things. I'd really like to find them easier. Yes. And I think part of it is, so I historically was not necessarily like a collection scrapbooker or like a lot of digital mm -hmm. scrapbookers will say like, I'm a kit scrapbooker and I can see why, because when you go to build a page rather than like digging into like all these files, you're like, okay, these, this is the kit and I'm going to use these supplies. So I feel like that is a way to simplify things, but a lot of times I don't start with a kit necessarily that matches my story or that's what I'll start with. I'll think like, okay, so what are my colors? And I'll find a kit that kind of matches that. But and especially with digital, you can just customize so many things that, um, well, one, I should probably just simplify my project process and just stick with like a kit. But um, so I think part of it was just accumulation of supplies for sure. But then also just kind of recognizing how I look for things. It kind of goes back to that organization where you talk about physical supplies, like how do you look mm -hmm. at things? Like I usually think of like color and then and pattern and so forth. And so that's like the big advantage with like the Photoshop elements organizer, you can like search for things by color and it will pull up like all the yellow things and all the green things or, um, so yes, I don't know if that answers your question. 
kind of does roundabout. It, it, it totally does. And it's been really fascinating to see kind of what um, ways that you think about things related to your previous paper scrapbooking have translated and, and maybe which ones that like don't quite fit anymore. Um, we're always evolving and the types of scrapbooking that we're doing. And I just, yeah, I find that always super fascinating. Yeah. Well, and then you have like your one-off things that, right? Like if I have some old alley word art, like that's not in a kit, but I maybe still want to use that. So yeah, I don't know. There's, I think that kind of ties back to even like when I was physically scrapbooking, when I would use like digital overlays and things like that. Like Mm -hmm. I think if there's a product that you want to use, there's probably, it'd be, it's, helps me to find a way to make it more visible or to think about it and within your process. Otherwise, um, it just doesn't happen. Well, and I think there's just an inherent um, cumbersomeness. That's not quite a word, but to, as you said, looking through folders and they're often nested folders, Mm -hmm. like also multiple layers of nesting. And so it's hard to see things. So anything that you can do, whether it's Photoshop Elements, Lightroom, Bridge, you know, there's other tools out there to be able to visually see things easier makes the process just that much easier. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, it's it's more of a concept. I'm as we kind of are, you know, right now we're in mid October, but when this comes out, it will be mid December. I'm definitely keeping an open mind. I. I'm feeling a little, not quite bored, but like I'm, I'm good with the things that I've been doing recently in the past few years. And I'm excited about creating more layouts and creating more photo books, but I'm also just kind of pausing and not pre-committing to projects and plans. I just want to see what maybe organically bubbles up for me as this is a big priority or what other external things I encounter that I want to participate in. So I'm I'm kind of keeping more of an open plate for next year than I have in the past. That reminds me how within the planning party, we you've always said to make sure to like leave room for those things that just mm-hmm. bubble up because there's always going to be something. Yeah. So I'm definitely like not even leaving just like one space. I'm really leaving like multiple spaces and really only having, a, I have a couple things that I, that I think I want to work on next year, but really just, uh, I've enjoyed being responsive. I've enjoyed taking classes, participating in things. And, you know, it's, it's always a fun twist to, to learn from someone else and be told what to do, particularly as someone who often creates the things that are telling others what to do. Um, so yeah, it just, it just feels good. And I'm, I'm excited and looking forward right now. Do you think part of it, I saw, I feel like it was over the weekend with the, like the finishing days that we've had this year, like you wrapped up, are you like all caught up on your December albums? I am. So like, do you feel like getting some of those things off of your plate is freeing you up to be more receptive? Oh, a hundred percent. Like I've gotten to the point where I'm looking at my list and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, I'm effectively caught up. Are there some of these things that have been on there for a long time? Do I still want to start these projects? And then there's some that are kind of just still in progress. Like my transition from chronological layout storage to library of memories. But I really consider that just, it's just an evolution. It's going to take time. Um, and at some point I'll be like, it's time to, you know, rip off the bandaid and, and dive in a little bit more, but it also doesn't feel urgent to me. Mm-hmm. So 
but yeah, it definitely a more of like a freedom of like, oh, there's just like there's possibility. I feel that sense of lightness from having my December dailies from 2010 to 2021 completely done. Yeah, for sure. So this is episode 200, and I thought it'd be really special to have you on. I've had so many comments about those who have missed your voice, and they've loved our conversations. And so I thought we would answer some listener questions today. All right. Bring them on. All righty. Number one. And I'll be honest, this is a question that I made up because I think it's a really juicy one, and I'm curious what you would say. Okay. So what great decisions have you made in scrapbooking? And... What bad decisions have you made in scrapbooking? Okay. So I will say of all the questions that are on the list, this was probably the one I, I don't know that I have an answer for. I would say going, I think cause there's, as far as like the good, there's good and bad with everything, right? So like going digital has been good. I like not feeling like I'm accumulating just these giant albums left and right. But at the same time, I do miss that tactile sense of, you know, Mm -hmm. playing with product, which is, I think, why I've done a lot more like knitting, embroidery, and some card making, things like that. So I still have that part of it. But so I think that's been a good decision. Probably hybrid scrapbooking back in the day is probably the best thing I ever did because Mm -hmm. I feel like that was my sweet spot. And as far as bad ones, I don't know... But I feel they don't have to be major. I have some examples. Okay. But, so I you would know, say, it's... if anything, I wanted, I thought I would get super into card making because I thought it would just be so much fun yeah. and you'd see all this inspiration. And so I don't know if it was a bad decision, but like, right, accumulating like all the colors of ink and all, you know, that I just maybe didn't, I did use, but probably not to the extent that I thought I would. I think that's a pretty common thing that we do and that we may have some like guilt or regret over of thinking we're really going to get into something. And then, you know, we were a little optimistic about, you know, our time or interest in doing that. And then maybe the effort, because I will make cards when they're like pre-done embellishments. But I think the ones that I I was following, Paper Tray Ink, if anybody remembers them, I think they're, they're still out there, but they... What more like wholesale, I think, but they had just the most amazing creative team and blog and they would just make the most gorgeous cards, but they were so right. You were stamping like your background and you're stamping and coloring in like all of your and die cutting your embellishments and like the sentiment, like, I mean, it was like every step along the way and it was very inspiring, but I kind of felt like I don't want to spend this time, effort and money for something that I'm going to like just mail off. Like, if I was to do that, I'd rather spend it on my scrapbook pages. And that's, like, that's a totally, like, fair, you know, yeah. way to think about it. So, um, the great decision that I've made, I think, was, I mean, first, the first thing that came to mind was switching to paper, starting paper scrapbooking, just because uh, how much that tactile experience meant to me as as a kid and and being able to bring that back. Um, led me to do more painting outside of scrapbooking as well. And so that's just been very uh, nurturing and soul-filling for me. But but on a smaller scale, I'm really glad that I took the time way back then as one of my first couple projects is I did these little mini books for my college years and my grad school years. And, you know, this was this is quite a long time ago now, and it seems like I was able to capture more of those memories while they were still like 
slightly fresh, whereas now I can barely remember anything. And, you know, they're not the most, you know, ornate projects at all, but I'm so glad that I have them. Would you also say, I thought you would say something about um, using Lightroom for your annual albums, because I feel like that was a culmination of like a lot of years of kind of trial and error and paying attention to what was working and what wasn't working and why. So I feel like that would be a greatest hit for you. I agree, but I guess I have I have some complicated feelings because it's a really big project. Mm-hmm. Just like regular project life is a really big project. And so um I I guess I, I, while I love it, I am not 100% sure I want to do that project every single year. Yeah. So, and that's just kind of an honest feeling about it. Um, as I finish up this year's book, we'll see. Like, I'm, and I get another one on the shelf, I might uh, change my mind, but it is kind of quite an undertaking. So, yeah, I, I, I like, I, I agree, but I also can see some other perspectives yeah. on it. Tools, any tools. I would say my one thing that I probably didn't, crocodiles, like the giant honking crocodile. Yeah. That I was never a big eyelet person. I could never, even with the crocodile, they were always just like wonky. And but everybody had one, so I had one too. I have that big bite one, and it's come in handy every time I've tried to get rid of it. Somehow I changed my mind, and I'm always glad that I didn't because I need it for one thing. But I do prefer the more like handheld ones nowadays yeah even my like i have that we are memory keepers multi-hole punch and even that is kind of a beast Mm -hmm. but i use it all the time because it can do like five different sizes of holes um yeah bad decisions i guess it's actually related to what you mentioned about the lightroom photo book and that i tried so many different ways over the years and the, I would say the worst year was the one I tried to do pocket pages in eight and a half by 11. I remember that. <laughs> it lasted like three months. And then I was just so frustrated at having to like either adjust the page protectors or adjust the cards. It was just way too fussy, especially for that time when I wasn't as maybe, oh, as slick and hybrid like now i feel like it'd it'd be more doable but back then it was just it was challenging yeah well and it's hard when if you had all these physical products then none of them fit like yeah yeah it just it wasn't it was they weren't made for each other no No. (laughs) all right second question here How do you stay motivated when you know you need it? You need that creative outlet, the recharge, but it feels hard. So I think this is where for me different hobbies come in. So it's like if I am feeling Mm -hmm. kind of like tapped out with scrapbooking, then I'll start a different project. And then while I'm working on that, then all of a sudden I'll be getting like excited about choosing colors for an embroidery project. And then that makes me start thinking about colors for scrapbooking. And so I think for me, taking like a little side route for a while is helpful, but also just in general, um, as far as scrapbooking, I would say public accountability. If there's something I really want to work on, I will like throw it out to the group. 
and say, hey, I'm going to be doing this and then I will report back. And that is hugely motivating. Also, I love a good checklist, right? So if I Mm -hmm. make an assessment, okay, where am I at? It's like the whole brain dump, like where am I at? What needs to be done next? And then I just can motor through task by task by task. So I either, I guess I either avoid it or I like dig real deep. (laughs) (laughs) I think I only need to, because I definitely have an ebb and flow, but if I print my photos or even just select them, I, that tends to get the ball rolling for me. So I will often just focus on that and say, okay, figure out what you're going to scrapbook, pick some photos, you know, pick a size, any size, and then build your layout around that. And if I have a couple prints on my desk, I will tend to keep thinking about it. And then all of a sudden there's a pile of supplies. And then all of a sudden there's a, a finished layout. So that's, that's what I try to do is definitely think baby steps to start a snowball. Well, and I think for me with really most anything, you know, 99% of the time, if I get started, yeah, it's the getting started mm-hmm. for like anything from cleaning in my bathrooms to making dinner to making a scrapbook layout. So that would be another thing too. It kind of comes along with that accountability for a lot, I know at least for like a lot of members, it's the crops, right? That's on their yes. schedule, that's on their calendar. And so they almost build a ritual or a routine around it. Well, even just the the simple act of stating that you need to do something, not even committing that you're going to do it, but just stating that you need to do it can help you realize, like maybe take some of that. The It makes it a little bit smaller. Like, you know, even yesterday I was texting a friend like, oh, I need to like reboot the dishes. And it was like really bad. And she's like, we'll just do it. And by the time she replied, I was already doing it. So just saying I need to do this, we realized, well, it won't take that long and it won't be as bad as you think. And I think that comes down to clarity. I always, here's, mm. okay, everyone who missed it, your Gretchen Rubin moment of today. <laughs> um, so Gretchen Rubin will have different kind of tips or tricks that you can lean on depending on which tendency. And so for my tendency, which is upholder, they'll talk a lot about clarity. So just having an idea of like, well, why do I want to do this thing? Um, And she has all sorts of tips. Basically, my answer to this would just be listen to Grinch for a moment because there's always like, you know, think about your future self or if it's like the one minute rule or just all of those little things. I think they come down to the getting started too. But yeah, clarity. Yes, I love that. One, I think it's um, also helpful to recognize that I think we all feel this to a certain degree, even upholders like yourself. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we have to find ways to to jump into the task, even if it's something that we really want the results of. Well, and for me, where I struggle is that she talks about, I think she calls it like tightening, where I will get on a path. And I will just make things more and more and more elaborate and rigid. And I'll know I'm doing it. But sometimes it's hard Mm -hmm. to like break, to loosen that. So I think being able to like recognize what is happening. And then from that aspect for me is like, okay, like pause everything. Like what is like the absolute, not like bare minimum, but like, like what 
is like, take the easy route. Cause I tend, I always joke, like there's a way to make something more difficult. Like I'm there. Um, so <laughs> that's so the other thing as far as like, if you're not motivated, it's like, well, okay. Like we used to always say like, like what's your very next step? Like what's the, and like a like, baby step. So like, you're not, your very next step isn't like, for me, I have like a layout in the works right now. And my very next step isn't make the layout. It's, you know, yeah. draft journaling. And then the very next step is, you know, maybe I choose papers. And once I have the papers, I'll choose the embellishments. I think also breaking it down into very achievable tasks is a way to help motivate me as well. Because it's like, oh, I can't make a layout. But, you know, I can, you know, I can browse some papers because now they're all organized. Um, So I think that would be another tip that works for me if I'm resistant to something. Yeah, it's much easier to procrastinate on something that has multiple steps yes. than it is to procrastinate on that one small step. Yes. So this next question is a little bit different, um, shifting gears to more of the social aspect of scrapbooking. Um, what are the, some of the different ways you've maybe met new, discovered new people, and connected more personally with scrapbookers? Well, I would just simple scrapper, like, obviously. <laughs> um, and even, like, scrapbookers that I've met in real life, I've, you know, there was a group of ladies I used to go to, um, weekend crops with at a spot like locally, but, um, I met them through simple scrapper. Like one lady said something about Des Moines. I was like, wait a minute, are you in Des Moines? And like, we met for coffee. I'm like, okay, well, she doesn't seem like she's going to kill me. So right. And then she's yeah. like, well, these other people are from Iowa. And then they're like, well, we go to this place. And so it just kind of evolved from there. Um, I think, social media for, you know, for better or for worse is like a great way to find new people as far as inspiration, people to follow. Um, and again, it comes back to the membership because with like spark magazine and then featured artists, like that's a great way to, for me that I have found people because I'm not like a heavy social media user. And so it's not, I don't tend to like kind of get out of my box as easily. So this is a way it just like you do the work and it, you just present it to me. And I was like, excellent. I will now follow that person. <laughs> so I think it, for me, it just comes back to the membership. Yes. Yes. I mean, the community has been so amazing, even just for me personally and developing, you know, real friendships with other scrapbookers and just really feeling that sense of camaraderie and, um, feeling, I don't know, included. I've always been, you know, a crafty math nerd. And so to have people who like really feel like you're, they're part of your, you know, they tribe, your tribe, as they say, or, um, to have like minds just has felt so amazing. Well, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who knows who Stacy Julian is and Allie Edwards and yes. Um, because I would go back in the day I'm not so much, I don't anymore as much, but like my sister-in-law would scrap. And so, I mean, everyone that I would scrap with in real life, like nobody is like scrapping anymore or they've moved away. So, um, but like I would go to a crop, like there would be one, you know, at like my sister-in-law's church had one and you go and I remember working on Project Life and these people were just amazed. And I mean, and this wasn't like early Project Life days, right? This is like 2015, but if they weren't active in the scrapbook world online, then, you know, they wouldn't have known about it. But, um, so that's, what's kind of nice about the membership. I think, you know, obviously by nature of the membership, they are in the online scrapbooking community. Um, 
to some extent. And so if they don't already know about Ali Edwards, they will soon learn about Ali Edwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it is nice to be able to have that shared experience about the things that you're excited about, like week in the life and, you know, all of those. Yeah. I was at a football tailgate locally a couple weekends ago and this friend who I knew was a scrapbooker, but I didn't quite know she'd really jumped into the online community and said, you know, so how much did you spend on your uh, December daily this year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and cause you know, we were just, the cart period had just opened and we were, uh, all trying to figure out what we were going to buy from Allie this year. And it was just, uh, it was cool to have that also that in-person experience too, because the shared language um, and shared experiences makes a difference. Yes. It's kind of what you said about like, these are, it's like, find your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you keep scrapbooking fresh and interesting if you've been doing it a really long time? So how how long have you been scrapbooking formally? In like, so 2008 really would be yeah. when I would say I really went all in. Like I would make like captioned like photo album type things, but not yeah. to the extent of like embellishing and things. So since 2008. So what is that? 14 years? It is because yes. that's the same for me okay. and how long I've been married as well. Okay. So. <laughs> so I think for me and like, like I, I just get bored with things pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I like novelty. And so I will say like classes and to some extent challenges can be helpful. Um, that's why I have always loved refresh because it was just like this built in opportunity to kind of like refresh my hobby. Um, so within the membership, that was always big for me. Like was it last year when Stacy Julian had the cards, um, gosh, what were those called? Oh, was that last year or, or the two year years before? Ago. I want to say that was, was in 2020. So like, yeah. that was something like, I was kind of like, Oh, I'm not really into this, but then a ton of our uh, members were doing them and like, well, they're just making these amazing layouts. And so then she had a sale. And so like, I got that. And then for a while, so I think you just ride the wave. So if if I'm feeling kind of like out of sorts, sometimes a class or challenge, sometimes different starting points will help. So a lot of times I'll start with a story or a photo, but then maybe and we'll find like, oh, I really like this person's layout. I'm going to scrap lift it. Or so I start with the design or sometimes maybe I'll start with product. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways to approach creating a layout. And so changing up my starting point will also help. And then just for, I think, well, between like my favorites layout, the only other kind of regular project that I've done for the past several years is, um, a December album. So it's always kind of exciting when that come time comes around. Um, cause I always enjoy particular projects. So, right. So maybe you're an October daily person or a week in the life person. And so that could get you jazzed up. Um, photography, like a lot of times with refresh, we'd have like photo walks or, um, like I pulled out my DSLR with my zoom lens this last weekend for a marching band competition. So then I was like, wow, I haven't like used this camera for a while. Like, so then all of a sudden I was feeling motivated to take pictures and pictures can lead to scrapbook layouts. So 
I think just shaking things up. I think that's how I keep it interesting is I do something different. Well, and I guess I would look at it as like accepting permission to do that because I think some scrapbookers struggle with being open to that or feeling like they need to stay consistent and that there's, they might see scrapbooking with like a more narrow lens. And I think broadening your horizons um, and knowing there's lots of ways to tell your story these days and lots of ways to enjoy crafting. And it doesn't have to be all one way. You can kind of mix and match. I think that's what makes it really fun because there's always like a new way to, to look at a project. And I think along those lines, is maybe looking at like why you're getting kind of fatigued of your process. So yes. I, I mean, clearly like oh, I'm all about the membership, but through the years of, you know, multiple times a year looking at your reason why, like you said, the permission to do something different. So it could just be like you said, you're in like too narrow of a box or like maybe like the projects you're working on, maybe you just really are not a fan of a December album and you wish you did because it's very exciting and you hop on the bandwagon. And so maybe it's just having an honest conversation with yourself. Like, you know what? This isn't going to happen. And so like letting that go too. So I think you nailed it with kind of people's expectations that they have for themselves and their hobby too. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. So this is more a broader question. Are there any trends you've noticed recently? Maybe as you're kind of looking for that new, fresh, and fun thing. I don't know that. Like I said, I've been very <laughs> light in the scrapbooking in the recent months. So, um, so I am very much still kind of like doing what I do, um, rather than at a point where I'm, you know, changing things up. I think the biggest thing, and it's probably just what my social media feeds are, but. It just, it's Allie Edwards all the time. Like, I feel like she is everywhere. Um, but beyond that, I don't know that I, I feel like everything is so diverse. I feel like we had like the grungy brown period. And then there was like, you know, your llamas and your gnomes and all the little, <laughs> and I don't know that I have followed enough like new releases or diversified my social media following enough to be able to like nail some other new trend. What have you seen? This is more of a trend that I have noticed in kind of home decor fashion. And, and I think that those things tend to predate the trends that we see in scrapbooking because there's, I think a longer timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, like, the smaller florals, a little bit more like vintagey. Um, I think we definitely had gone through like a very modern slash mid-century modern period, a little bit of boho. And now I feel like it's going back a little more traditional. I don't know. Like that, that's what I'm seeing in um, elsewhere in design. And so I'm curious as we see like the spring collections mm -hmm. come out and, and next year, what things are going to look like. Um, but that would be my, my prediction based on observations outside of scrapbooking. Do you think some of that is related to, cause I feel like the whole farmhouse movement, Joanna Gaines started back in the day. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's still pretty strong. I do. 
But that was also very like clean lines, a lot of white and shiplap mm-hmm. and stuff. But and now I'm just seeing like wallpaper and more molding and you know things specifically to design but i'm curious to see how that will be translated like i don't know i'm thinking of like some of like the my mind's eye florals from a long time ago some of the basic gray which basic gray had a a kind of a huge variety they did Um, i loved their christmas collections but i never really got Mm -hmm. so into their other ones but christmas for me like that was my go-to um and i think some of it i'm trying to think if there's any like new movers and shakers kind of like on the scene, because I feel like Maggie Holmes is still doing Maggie Holmes and Paige Evans still does like the Paige Evans. Like they definitely have a look, which I can appreciate. But as far as variety. Well, know. there is um, Layered Life, which is Christine Middlecamp and her episode would have gone live before this one that you're listening okay. to now. And her style is very like retro modern, very like clean lines, but bold and graphic at the same time. And so kind of the opposite of what I'm describing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the things that I'm, you know, that's coming out right now. Um, in terms of others. Oh, uh, is it, 49 in market or 39 in market. Oh, but they, that definitely. Helen talked about them. Yes. 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 They are kind of I very think, botanical vintage for sure. Yes. And I'm, I'm a big fan. I just bought a whole bunch of their rub-ons mm-hmm. and a like, yay for more rub-ons. I, I am celebrating the return of rub-ons. Um, but it's just so fun to kind of create more of that like textured layered look to my pages too. Yeah. And that probably goes along with that style too, as opposed to the super clean modern contemporary look. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't think either of us have our our thumbs close closely on the pulse no. of uh the scrapbooking industry. But um that was one of the questions that uh was submitted for us. And uh, it would it'd be fun to always see kind of what's what's next and to also choose whether or not that new trend fits your style or your interests or not. Sometimes I'm curious about new trends and sometimes I'm happy to pass them up. Yes. Yeah. All right. So the next few questions are a little bit more about process and some of them are really specifically for you. But the first one is what process do you use to choose what you want to scrapbook next? So I do have a Trello board called Stories to Tell. So very original. Um, So I will sometimes look there. um, But a lot of times it's just like whatever I'm excited about. So if there's like a story that's come to mind that I want to tell or if I – I tend to have a lot of success when I have projects. So because it kind of, I think, comes back to that whole checklist mindset of – I know what needs to be done next because I'm just working through the steps. And so um, like back in the day when I would like send out for my photos, I would like batch process. So I would kind of design like, you know, five to seven layouts and get all the photos in. And then it was just one after the other. So I would say a combination of um, my travel list, what I'm excited about and like what is just in the works. Sometimes product, but not as often. Well, and I think having that variety is part of what keeps it fresh and interesting too. Um, if you're like 
consistently kind of going to the same thing, then that also can make it feel a little stale. Well, and I think if, right, I have that Twilo list. If there's like a story I pass over again and again, well, at some point, like maybe I'm just not going to tell that story and just to be okay with that. Or it morphs into something different, which is what the layout I have in the works right now is. Like it started out as one thing and then in the process of like making a layout, it has shifted to kind of the same story, but like it just even like a wider net got cast. So, um, and again, I think it goes back to that permission of being able to just follow that creativity. Because at one point I was thinking like, Oh, do I, you know, like I already kind of had like this plan in mind, like, do I just stick with it? And I was like, well, no, I think it would be a richer story for like casting that wider net. So Yes. 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 I love, you know, often I'll note down something and then as I explore it more, it goes a certain direction. And then sometimes it means, oh, well, I still need to make another page about this other direction. Yes. But, um, so that's like the trick. Cause it's like, okay, so this could be like two layouts or, okay. So the one it is, it was like way back when I actually chose it for like a, like a bucket list story to tell what's, it was the concept of, um, being an optimistic gardener. <laughs> because our um blueberries just would die repeatedly and i would just like replant them and my daughter's like why do you not just give up um so part of that is i always wanted to tell the story but i i didn't necessarily have a photo in mind and so like this summer i was like okay i'm just gonna like take a photo of it's got like you know like the one dead blueberry bush and in the background there's like my japanese beetle ravaged raspberries and apple trees it's just like all the things. Um, and so that was the story and I drafted journaling for it. And then when I went to make the layout, I was inspired by this Kathy Zielski's design. And I think she ended up just taking like a quote from her journaling, but I wanted, I love quotes. Like I collect quotes. So I wanted to find a quote that I felt like that went with it. And so the quote, I don't remember who it's from, but it was kind of the idea of like, show me your garden and I'll tell you who you are. And so Mm. And I've kind of had a change of heart at this point because I'm just like, where is it not persistence? Where is it just like plain stubbornness? So I'm feeling like (laughs) I can fight this fight and be frustrated or maybe I can just accept that. And I had also listened to this like horticulture podcast where they're saying how, yeah, um, blueberries just are not well suited to our soil and our location here. I mean, yes, like there is a berry patch, you know, an hour away, but I'm sure like they actually amend the soil and do other things. Anyways, so so that story just kind of evolved because then I was like, okay, so if I take this aspect of it beyond just persistence and stubbornness, I think my gardens also talk about like nostalgia because I have, you know, irises from my great aunt Mary and I have daisies from Dan's grandma and all these like these different aspects of my personality that I think um, can be seen just by those choices that I make. So um so I think being open to that evolution of the story makes it more exciting for me. Well, and I think that um, 
that one story was fine, but to tell, show all the different facets of who you are as a gardener, you're not just optimistic slash stubborn. Yes. You, you know, you have all these other things that you value and that make it something that's important to you. So I think that's just, that's a much more like comprehensive story as well. Yeah. And then I think my other resistance to not ever doing it was to like, well, I didn't have a photo. Well, at some point, like the photo I took is not a great photo, but to me, like the layout isn't about the photo. The layout's about the story. And so recognizing that. So it also could come back to when you're choosing stories to think about whatever, like this particular story where you're creating layouts. So like, what is this particular layout focus? I mean, obviously you can have multiple focuses, but like, you know, I'm super excited Mm -hmm. about this design. So I'm going to like go a whole hog, right? Like you always say with like December daily, it's all like the shiny things, right? Or like, this really is about the story. And so, you know, maybe I have like a small photo that kind of illustrates it, but it's very journal heavy. So I think paying attention to those aspects also can make it a more rewarding hobby. And it's always that snowball effect, right? If it's an enjoyable process and you're happy with what you made, you just keep going. Yeah, it's like... I don't know. Like there's a certain degree of looseness, openness that I think we was kept coming up through our conversation yeah. today about that's how you become a, a resilient and productive scrapbooker um, because things are always going to be shifting in your life, in your hobby, in your interests. And that's, yeah, that's what's going to keep you going. My process is, I think I have two primary ways. One is either I know that I'm working on a specific project And so I keep coming back to that project, like whether it's a a big photo book or a big album, like something that this needs to be done. Um, Or I kind of create a project. And I think this is similar to what you said too, where I know I want to scrapbook these photos or scrapbook the story. And so I pick maybe a, a collection or a kit that I've purchased or a kit that I've made to go with that. And then once that is out on my desk, I use the, that color story, that mood, the motifs to help guide me to additional stories to tell. So it's like story, product, more stories. Yeah. It's all intertwined. Uh, yeah, 100%. But then I kind of try to make it a project where it's like, okay, I want to use, use up or, or try to make at least this many pages with this particular collection because it helps me feel good to use use product well and to use it up as I can. And I imagine it brings a sense of ease because you, the more you're working with those products, the more you know, you know, if there's like a phrase that maybe inspires your story or like a particular embellishment or I think it eliminates kind of a roadblock because you don't have to go searching as much because you already are familiar with what's there. Yeah. You know, that's something I, that's not something I'd really thought about before is that the kind of, it's not the right word, but the intimacy you get with your yes. products, well, um, you become really familiar with what the sentiments are and that just naturally gets your mind going with other stories that are related. And I feel like Chamel, well, I don't know if she still does this, but back in the day she would talk about the idea of like, even if she's not scrapbooking, like, most days she'll like just pick up her paper or just like look through her supplies to have a familiarity with what she has. Yeah. And I think that particularly that since so many products these days are a little bit more sentiment driven Mm -hmm. than 
pattern like you know motif driven yes. like that definitely can inform what stories you're going to choose from it which is helpful yes all right next two questions are all about digital so what software do you use to create your digital pages i use photoshop elements and so I'm assuming that kind of made it natural to use that for your organizing yes, as well. Yes, because I figured I'm already in there. Um, yes. So, yes, for sure. And then I just bought it back in the day. Like, actually, I think I got, like, a free, like, Photoshop Element 6 came with, like, a scanner I purchased because I was doing the Yesterday and Today class with Allie, and I was scanning my, my childhood photos to use for that. Um, and then – I don't know. I've never taken like a formal digital scrapbooking class, but just through taking like Allie's classes and Kathy's classes and just lots of like Googling, um, I, it was just this very like slow evolution into being able to just deal with like the layers. And even now, like we have members and there's scrapbookers out there that do all sorts of like blending and like all these custom shadows. And I am very much basic entry level skills, but I'm not, I'm happy with that at this point. Like I'm not looking yeah, to yeah. like evolve that. Cause for me, it like really comes down to just enjoying the photos and the stories more so. And I like to do it in like a pretty way. Cause I do like the product, but I think for me, it would just be more frustrating to like really dig in. So for me, I've never really had a desire to go to like full Photoshop. Um, and I like like the standalone Photoshop elements and I can just upgrade every so many years if I feel like there's, an upgrade that is worthwhile and um so yeah i've just always done elements well and i think that's a really smart solution for a lot and to use that that level of desire you have like some people are really into doing yes. like understanding all the different features and really like um creating digital art with it and some just want to get their photo scrapbooked and um in as easy way as possible yeah it's like with knitting like i can like knit and purl and like like i'm, I'm good with that like i'm not looking to like cable and things like you know cabling is actually kind of fun is it okay so maybe i do want to go there but i i did some knitting in the round this fall so like that was pretty Ooh. exciting i know but um so i think in general it's probably a personality thing too i Julie Fafan Balzer back in the day talked about the idea of being like a puddle kind of like shallow and wide. So like I just have like a lot of little interests and I don't necessarily feel the need to like be a master because I think that would feel like it would close me in and I'd rather just be able to like dabble in a bunch of different things. So um, rather than I going like idea. all in on one hobby and getting to be like an amazing master level of it, um, I'm happy to be that puddle. That's uh, a wonderful analogy. Like related to the first question, how much time does it take you to complete a layout these days? Anywhere from like an hour to some weeks. <laughs> because well, I will just like, I'm usually pretty quick at like picking a design and then I can get out like my journaling. Like that's like the most fun for me. I sometimes struggle with like the final embellishments. Like I will like fiddle and fiddle and fiddle. Um, so for the longest time, I very regularly would average like one to two layouts a week. And that was a paper thing. And then it kind of transitioned to digital and I've kind of fallen off that bandwagon. And I, 
I don't know if it's just like a seasonal thing or if it's just like the switch to digital or or what, but um, it is it varies widely, and it probably depends on obviously like what I'm doing. So if it's like uh something that has like lots of photos or um, whatever the design is, because sometimes I'll do something that's very like streamlined. Kathy Zilski, it's like one pattern paper and some word art and like. Boom, you can have that done easy peasy. Or like my favorites this year, I'm doing like project lifestyle, like grids. So those are very, very fast to create. But um, if I'm doing more of like a story driven, heavily layered layout, that can take me longer. I'm curious, like, is there a certain degree of like enjoyment of the process or is it more of a function of it just takes that much time? Cause I had this conversation with Helen recently. We had an opportunity to scrapbook in person mm-hmm. and she really relishes just the, the details of deciding where everything's going to go. And that's part of why she creates such amazing layouts, but it takes her a good amount of time and she really enjoys the time. That will, again, vary from day to day. So, like, I will re- – like, there will be times, like, you know, we'll have, like, a refresh weekend or whatever and I'll just, like, hole up in my little space. Or I remember there was, like, yeah. a Saturday morning in the summer. Like, we had somewhere to go in the afternoon. But, like, I, like, you know, it's, like, 11 a.m., 11.30. I'm, like, in my pajamas, in my robe, like, all curled up on the couch, like, scrapping away. And it was just, like, so fun. And then mm-hmm. sometimes – like when I was catching up with like my favorites, I'm like, okay, I've got like four months. Let's like whip these suckers out. Um, and you can almost like batch them. So again, I think it just depends on what I need in the moment. So sometimes it's just like maybe that weight lifting of this project's back on track and I'm feeling good about that. And then sometimes it is just savoring the process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I was finishing my one of the last December dailies, like the 2019, 2021 that I put together in one album, it was definitely the satisfaction was in the completion of every page yeah. uh, more so than the design of each page. Cause I was, yeah, I just really wanted to get it done and like, I'm happy with what I did and it was good enough. And the catching up part was what was most important to me so that I can feel more secure and like relishing in all the time that I want this holiday season. Yeah. So very specific to project slash layout. Yeah, yeah. So what about printing your layouts? Um, Do you have any advice for ensuring a good result? The person who asked this question felt nervous about it, worried about bleed and just making sure that the quality was going to be good. There's no typos. And it just seemed to like be causing some anxiety about, you know, I feel nervous to print because I want it to look good. So I have typos. I mean, I I would have typos when I did hybrid scrapping and I printed stuff out and like mm-hmm. that just doesn't bother me. I kind of like roll my eyes when people point them out. Like, yeah, whatever. Well, you, why don't you go make a scrapbook layout then? Okay. Like, we'll see how you do. <laughs> so that really does not bother me as far as – so I – when I would – was obviously I'd done hybrid for a long time. So I had a feel for that. But like full digital, I would do like the occasional like one-off page. And I was never, like, super, like, loving it. And, like, I don't know. I think it was just trial and error because I would – you know, I've made ones where, like, the journaling's kind of, like, right up to the edge before you kind of know mm-hmm. to give a little wiggle room there. Um, 
So as far as like bleeds and gutters and things like that, some of it's going to depend on your photo developer. And a lot of times they'll have like a frequently asked questions spot where you could review that. Um, and I think it feels more intimidating to me when I was making like a photo book as opposed to like printing an individual page because like the investment was bigger. Um, oh, yeah. And the, even then, though, like I started off when I was printing like photo books with smaller, like finite projects. So like my first like full photo book project was like a five day trip my husband and I took and someone in the membership loved this particular developer. And so I started there. And again, that was a very simplistic design. Like I, it was photos, it was text. And I did like, I, imported some Allie Edwards board art and that was that. And actually I think I built that within the photo book developer software. I didn't do that in Photoshop elements. So I got that. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, these are the things I liked about it. These are things I didn't. So then my next one was, I think I did a December daily album. So then like I stepped that up, I did Photoshop elements, but I used like a template pack and I just like repeated the template. So I brought in some more things and then I tried a different developer. Okay. So I think before I jumped into like a, bigger annual type photo book I mm -hmm. learned along the way by doing these like smaller projects that felt less I guess intimidating like if it was messed up it wasn't you know $150 it was maybe I don't know $50 or something and then also like the big thing was just asking like the community too or paying attention to like what people like to use so if there's like um, a digital scrapbooker that you like a lot of times they'll share like, you know, this is my favorite developer or my favorite printer. Um, and I think that's a pretty trustworthy way to go about deciding who you want to use. Or even like, what's the smallest size font that you like to use? Yes. That's um, smart too, because that is something that if I am uncertain, because that is, I'm very like aware of that too, because that whole concept, I always hear people say about how like, well, like, you know, when I was in my, 30s it was sure easy to read that you know nine point font but now I'm 60 and it's a lot di more difficult um but so even from that aspect like I would shut off all the layers on something and then just do a test print of like the the journaling to see like okay does this seem readable um yeah, and that's something that's to remember strategy. too because sometimes people will create in like a 12 by 12 and then they'll print in like a 10 by 10 so um, that has, that has gotten me before, not like badly, but it was like, Oh, like either that seems a little big or that seems a little small. And I think once you kind of, that's where I just like use the same fonts over and over again, <laughs> because it's just like, well, I know how this is going to print. So that's part of it too. Um, and again, like I'm not like that design aspect isn't as important to me as like the story. So, or I will like, if I want to use a different font, I will like do like my preferred font and size and then I will switch the font and make sure like the spacing is similar depending on right like yes. Times New Roman 12 versus I don't know um some other courier or something um or typewriter is different so then I can kind of get a feel for stuff that way. That's that's a good trick too yeah. like having what standard that you know is going to work yep. well and then trying to kind of visually match the just the the sizing of it. 
I look back to some of my first digital pages and some of those fonts are very, very small. Yeah. Because <laughs> I printed them eight by eight. Oh, yeah. So even smaller. Yeah. Um, And then I think just like the if you're sending them out to be printed, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't think you're always going to get the best results with like the very cheapest option. So mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily need to be printing, you know, like heirloom quality, but so just being mindful that, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle is realistic to get um, the quality that you might want. And that's going to be different for everybody. So that's true. It, it is a matter of preference mm-hmm. um, with, you know, budget as a lens in that too. And right. And even like within like, okay, so like I, I like MPix is kind of like my favorite go-to printer for my photo books, but you know, they'll have different like page, like there's like the mat or like there's a semi-gloss or whatever. So, um, and that's just a matter of like trying it though. They will have also, you can send away for samples like of the paper. So you can kind of get a feel for like what it might look like. Um, and some of that's just knowing what your preferences are in general. Like I always liked matte photos versus like a high gloss photo. So that kind of s- still translates to me for my photo books. Well, and also there's a difference between like a matte photo paper and then say like a matte uh, like cardstock yes. slash fine art paper that like Artifact Uprising uses. I love their books. They're beautiful, but I don't think they really allow the photos to shine as much. Mm-hmm. Because it is so, like, matte, matte. Yes. And not as vibrant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next two questions are a little more related to albums. Um, If you don't scrapbook chronologically, and I think this person was speaking specifically of we're not scrapbooking stories in order, um, how do you organize your albums? So I have a bit of a mishmash of some themes and then annual albums. And I have... Organize and reorganize and library of memories and just whatever multiple times over the years. So this is what has kind of stuck for me. So I have some theme albums. I have um, a birthday album for my girls that is like a page or multiple pages of their birthday through the years. I have a Halloween album. I will do individual like travel albums. Um, I do Christmas albums. I have like a chi- my childhood album like I did my before your story and my yesterday and today and all of those are in there. And then I'll do like in, like week in the life will have their own albums and then anything else just gets put into a year and when i'm filing them to some extent i do try to think about like when was the story like the photo taken or the story told and sometimes things get moved about depending on whether it's like a double page or single page or whatever but um then after i've created them and i'm either building the photo book or i was just like filing them into the album, I kind of put them in some sort of like semi-chronological order for that year. I think that's a a, a pretty common strategy mm-hmm. these days. Definitely having to no one system really works for anyone. I no. think we have to to figure out what's important to us, what types of albums do we really want to have, and then what makes sense. Um, I think stepping back, bigger picture, switching to. Uh, D-ring albums, three-ring albums uh, made a huge difference in organization. When I started, I was doing postbound, like a lot of yep. people, and I found it quickly very frustrating to rearrange. Um, and so being able to change things up as your preferences change, as you tell more stories, um, is really helpful as well. 
I will. So I went on this tangent like several years ago where I felt like it was hard to locate story. Like if I was looking for a specific story or to think like, okay, I know I scrapbook for that, but like what did I exactly like, how did I approach it? So I actually made a Google spreadsheet and I went through my albums and I basically typed up like an index of all the layouts and like what album they were in. And my grand idea was almost to create kind of not like a card catalog, but basically like an index or like a table of contents and then have like a, like a six by eight album that I would have out like easily accessible, like on a coffee table or whatever. And then you could like look through, okay, this, you know, the 2017 album has these stories in it or whatever. Um, and then mm-hmm. at that time, I want to say Allie's, I wanted an Allie Edward album because I wanted like the wider spine. Um, mm-hmm. They were, I think they were having some sort of like manufacturer difficulties or whatever, or you could only get like this one color and I didn't want that or whatever. So then, But then I never did. I never followed through and finished it. But I do think that that very much appeals to me, that concept of kind of having this table of contents of what is in all of these. I think that can be really helpful and reassuring that um, your pages are organized how they're organized. Mm -hmm. And if we can do a top layer to help uh, direct others or even yourself towards (laughs) where the things are, that's helpful. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, I've seen, of course, um, index pages like at the front of an album, but even having a big picture one, I think can be really helpful. Also with cross-referencing with your stories to scrap list too, to know which things you've done and which ones you haven't. Yes. Because sometimes, you know, I, I tend to know if I've scrapbooked a photo, but not if I've scrapbooked a story. Because you can use multiple photos from across time to tell a particular story. Yes. And so I think that would be helpful for like identifying gaps and things like that. And I think for me, I don't spend a ton of time usually like with my finished products. Like I will like look at them, but um, yeah, I'm not in there like regularly. Maybe I would enjoy that if I did that more, but um, so yes, it is kind of like, Oh, I forgot I did do that. So yes. And I think the older I get, the more I'm forgetting things. Yes. That I've done. <laughs> well, plus you've just done more layouts, right? As time goes on, you do more and more layouts. Yeah. So yeah. Well, on that note, um, how do you show people your completed layouts if you do it all? I often, I mean, if I'm sharing them at all, it's usually I'm taking a photo and sharing it online with other scrapbookers. It's pretty rare that my family looks at things. My daughter, a little bit, Steve, I left him my one little word project on his desk for a while. And then I took it back because I was worried it was going to get dusty. (laughs) Um, so my, all of my albums live on like built-ins that are in kind of like my family room, living room area. My mom loves to like zero in and see like what's new. So she will look at them. Like, I mean, anyone's welcome to, I probably the biggest thing for display. I will, I don't share all my layouts in the community, but like on occasion I, I will. Um, and then probably the the what I do look at is so my mom was a teacher and my dad had built her a wooden podium that she used when she was instructing. And so when she retired, they don't really have a use for it anymore. And they asked like what the girls want it. Cause like back in the day, like they would play school. And then as they kind of phased out of that, it occurred to me that I could have that out. So that is out in like my kind of entry room, kind of living room area. And I will rotate out 
the albums that are on the podium. And so they'll just be open or like every so often, like I'll go through and I'll like flip a few pages. <laughs> so it's like something different. To look sure. at. So on occasion, my family, I think will like wander by and like it'll catch their eye. Um, and then that's also fun because I'll pull out different ones seasonally. Like I can pull out like my Halloween album or like the girls' birthday album and like their birthday month or um, like the zillion like Christmas albums or like in the summer I'll bring out like travel albums. So um, I will switch that up just – and there's no like schedule. It's very random. But I think that's like a super fun way to have an interaction with your completed projects. Yeah, I have this desire. I mean, I have lots of desires mm -hmm. for things I want to hang on my wall. But one is to do like one of those big grids of 12 by 12 frames to be able to pop in pages that I've done and then try to rotate them. But knowing me, I would put it up there and not rotate it for like five years. <laughs> that would be my fear. Like, I think it sounds super exciting to like be able to do like the, um, like, right, seasonal. Like, it's, it's October. Right? Yeah. So put up all your like, Halloween-y layouts, but There's yeah. There's no way I would do that, though. <laughs> right. I wouldn't either. Or you need those ones that are like the – like there used to be called like Little Picasso and it was meant to be like kids' mm -hmm. artwork ones. They need those for like scrapbookers. We are memory keepers should get on that. Yeah. Um, and maybe even Little Picasso these days has ones that are the right size. They could. Or if you're an eight and a half by 11 scrapbooker, boom. Yeah. One, I would also be a little concerned with it not being like with fading. Yes. Like, you know, I'm not super protective of my pages, but I want them to last. And so if I'm putting something on the wall, I would be concerned that I would leave it up too long and then it would fade. And, and of course, fade in a weird way yes. because of how the sun was yes. Sun on fading it. is crazy. Yeah. So that would, you'd almost need to put it in a location with that in mind, like a hallway or something. Yeah. A very dark hallway. So something to think about. So we have one last question today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Yes, it's, it's been fun. so fun. Yeah. So what planners will you each be using in 2023? Okay. So I have long used Panda planners and I think, so this summer when I took myself on my self-imposed vacation, um, I had, what did I have? Like the daily 2.0 planner or whatever. So they're undated. So it didn't really matter. So I wasn't using like them regularly. And so I had a bunch of pages, but then I did have like, there's only like a certain amount of like monthly pages in there. So those I had filled out. And so but I still wanted to like use the planner to finish it out. So my girls had gotten interested in like bullet journaling. And so of course, like that was my excuse to do a bit of a deep dive into that. So I basically have retrofitted my current Panda planner into a kind of custom approach that I am liking. It's like my vertical, my vertical weeks. It's like a two page spread for a week. And then um, I still have like my to do's, a spot for my schedule, a spot for gratitude, and then like meal planning. So but what I think I would want to do, my plan is to use this one. I can get it through like the end of the year, but is to um, do a plum paper planner that I customize. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's my plan. How do you feel about it being now the, okay, let's step back here. The Panda Planner 2.0 actually has rings, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Spiral. Yes. Because the previous ones were, you know, flush bound or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So is the, I'm assuming the rings are okay with you. Yes. I like the rings. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, the Palm Paper Plant, I've heard, is, like, really good quality. Like, it's like it's thick because it's good paper quality. And having to be able to customize the sections, I think, is pretty cool. Yes. Because I think even with the Panda Planners, like, there's definitely bits that, like, I don't use. Or even when I did use them, like, I didn't use them to their full capacity, nor was I interested in starting to use them. It wasn't, like, an aspirational thing. And so it was just like, well, I can just make one to be what I want. And I think that is my plan I'm for my new year, 2023. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I am using, and I don't know if I will have mentioned this on the podcast yet, but as of right now, I am using a Scribbles That Matter B5, which is bigger than A5, dot cross planner. So it is an undated planner that has months weeks and a dot grid in between each of those okay and then a bunch of dot grid at the end i absolutely love it for a couple of reasons one is i couldn't do just a plain dot grid notebook because i hated drawing the lines every week yes. i was just so like annoyed by it i love my stickers i've even learned to love stamping in a bound book um because i love the final result and so it was just enough structure to be an invitation to to create on it. The size has been amazing. I did not realize that it was the size of my planner that was hindering me so much. Mm -hmm. Going to the B5 size, which is like eight, almost 8 by 10, I think, um, has just been perfect. And I want to figure out how best to kind of better utilize the dot grid pages in the back more for a kind of a DIY goal setting approach. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I want to do yet. I'm just kind of keeping an open mind to, you know, uh, frameworks and approaches for doing that. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's completely undated. I started with September. And so when it's full, I'll buy a new one. You can get them on Amazon, which is really nice. Um, so it was really fast shipping and I'm happy with it. So how are the weeks presented? They are vertical weeks. Okay. There are eight columns. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, set up seven columns for the days. And then the last one, I usually just end up kind of embellishing or putting some additional like reminders mm -hmm. for the week. Um, I tried horizontal for a few weeks and realized I don't like it. No. My brain doesn't think that way. My like, I often are remembering when I have appointments by where they are on that vertical planner. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, there's like something in like the afternoon that day. I shouldn't schedule something over that or whatever. I like vertical because if I don't get something done, I just like draw an arrow over and it just like, <laughs> I can just shift everything in my mind. And I feel like with horizontal... Yes. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it work because if you're going to shift something that's not at the bottom, you have to yeah. like draw an arrow with like a bend in it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the vertical weeks and it is yes. shocking how many planners do not have vertical weeks. Well, and some of them, I think one of my frustrations is there's so many planners that have too much structure. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't need a list for bills to pay, or I don't want to put my shopping list in here. Um, I want a lot of flexibility for the way I like to organize information. 
And so I think that's what's kind of turned me off of a lot of options that are otherwise like, you know, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. They may have really good paper quality. They're, you know, companies I want to support, but I'm like, you put too many details on the page for me. Yes. Um, so I also have something that I've been using a lot this summer that is like shockingly effective. So a friend of mine for my birthday gave me a list or a list, several of these, they're kind of sassy, um, list making type supplies that you can get them at Barnes and Noble. So, but my very favorite one is, um, it's called get your stuff. There's another expletive word instead together. And on like one side, it's like easy stuff and then tough stuff. And then, you know, it's all, it's all stuff, um, which sounds super silly, but I, sometimes if I was feeling overwhelmed and wanted to do like a big brain dump, I would like make lists. I would just dump everything by like, okay, like what can I get done in like five minutes or less or 15 minutes or less? Or what's like longer term? Or I would make a list. I would divide it by like, okay, house stuff, yard stuff, you know, animal stuff, whatever. Um, so dividing things out like that is very, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's comforting, but it's like a way for me to like get an assessment of like, okay, like what is going on and like, what am I going to do next? And so even with still using kind of my modified like Panda Planner, um, I will still make the my big like um, easy stuff and tough stuff list. And honestly, it. it's been um, – it's just like adds like a bit of little humor to the to the process as well. So, Well, and yeah, like sometimes I think there's two perspectives. One is that it's helpful to know are you spending all your time on the easy yes, stuff so you never yes. get to the, the tough stuff? Which I've been guilty of in the past. I'm like, oh, I had such a great day. Mm-hmm. I did all the easy things. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> and then realizing, yeah, you're not moving the big things forward. Yep. I'm looking but at them also, right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you can uh, recognize that this maybe requires a little more like physical, mental, emotional energy. Like to me, I I don't like making phone calls to strangers where I don't have the information because mm-hmm. I have to pick up Emily early today from school, from a brand new school where I don't know the procedures. Mm-hmm. And I had to admit to them, I don't even know what door to go in. Yeah. To, I don't know where their office is to be able to sign her out. And I was like dreading that phone call. But I'm like, you know what? It's I have to do it. It's you know, That would definitely be on my tough stuff list. And you know, now I know what to do an hour from now when I have to go pick her up early. Well, and some of it's not even like things that are necessarily tough. It's just things maybe you don't want to do, like cleaning out my car. And then the other realization is I'm looking at the things that are currently on my tough stuff list. And like one of them's been there for a long time. And it's because I think I'm, again, it comes back to like, I did like make a scrapbook layout as opposed to like, what's the first step? Like that's easy. It's just the overall project that seems overwhelming. So yeah, all sorts of ways to get your stuff done. (laughs) (laughs) What a fun way to end it. Kim, I have so enjoyed catching up with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It was fun. And congratulations on episode 200. Thank you so much. Can you share where we can find you online? Um, In the Simple Scrapper membership, pretty much. I mean, I have like <laughs> Instagram, but I just, I have like a love-hate relationship with social media. So I kind of took a hiatus okay. from that. So, um, yeah, you have to be a member, I guess. That's where I I am on occasion. Well, and I've been so um, glad to see you pop in here and there and to connect with you as you continue your own creative journey. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way.